Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis present. All right. I'm still I'm still loving this new toy you have, Travis. Normally we don't get to hear the theme song every time. It really gets you pumped up. Normally. <laughs> You feel it? I do. You're like, <laughs> so amazing. Uh, we're here with Rick Bass, which is such a privilege. Thank you for coming. Uh, great to be here. It's really exciting for us. Great to be here. Thank you all. Um, for people who don't know, uh, which living probably, under a goddamn is, probably rock. is none of our listeners, uh, Rick Bass uh, is an author, environmentalist, uh, father, and resident of the Yak Yes. up in northwest Montana. Um, and I guess first I want to ask you, how did you end up in the yak? That is, that is on the way to nowhere. And yeah. I think you're from Texas originally. Yeah. Kind of a long story. Uh, you have 45 minutes. Oh, good. <laughs> I just want to paint a picture for the, for the listeners. Uh, it's so cool to be in, in this, this studio. The, uh, there's a pot of coffee in front of me that looks viscous and ancient it's uh, <laughs> it looks like a, a prop from that movie uh, no country for old men do you yes. remember where oh, yeah. he goes and visits his old mentor and says can i get a cup of coffee and he points to it over yeah. the window and he says how old is it he said five days i change it every week <laughs> it's kind of got that same you know if you could smell coffee in a movie that would have smelled what this smells like oh it's, it's yeah really it's burnt we got yeah. kind it's of a cormac burnt. mccarthy vibe in general exactly yeah. i mean kind of that <laughs> albuquerque pool scene yeah. uh, sitting, uh, you know except without the sunlight. I know it's a oh. great day in Missoula. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you make it to the yak? Yeah. Uh, just lucky. Um, I'd gone to school in Utah, in northern Utah, and just loved the, the Rockies and, and, uh, and the West, you know, after growing up in Houston, Texas. What was not to love? And uh, I got a job, however, uh, in the oil field, a geologist working in Mississippi. And I, so I got kind of sucked down there for seven, eight years and uh, was missing the mountains and, and so just got in the truck and drove uh, back west looking for a place to, uh, uh, to live. And uh, uh, even when I got to Utah, seven or eight years after I'd been gone, it had changed. It was a lot more uh, populated and, yeah. and stuff. So I, I turned north and west and kept drifting, uh, just looking for a, a blank spot on the map and didn't find it till I got up to, to you know, Whitefish. And then when in there, whitefish used to be, you know, different. Every like that James McMurtry song, you know, should have been here twenty years yeah. ago. You know, everybody's saying that, and uh, that's really true in whitefish. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds horrible. Like, why would you go to whitefish to, to look for a place to live? But back then, it made sense. And and uh, and went into a realtor's office, and, and he said, "Well, if you're looking for remote, there's this place called the Yak." And and uh, he had a um, a client who had a hunting lodge for sale. And I didn't have any money, but, but pretending that I did, you know, okay, I'll go look at it. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll let me rent it or something. And so drove over there and knocked on the door. And uh, a lady answered the door, and she looked kind of uh, frazzled, uh, just like kind of wits in. And, and she, goes, she jerks the door open and, and uh, says, my, my chickens are dying in this heat. It was like August. And, and there's like dust everywhere from our truck driving up, and, and she goes, "I've had it with this shit. Oh, I can't stay here any longer. You know, you, you can have it." And so it's, it's like, uh, "Okay, good." And uh, so it was. And that's where you live now? Uh, no, no, uh, but lived for several years. Yeah, just caretaking and. Oh, awesome. Living for free. Yeah. Killer. So yeah. it did work out. Yeah. No, it's great. Awesome. So you've lived in the act since the '80s? 
Yeah, 87. And is there, I mean, we talked about whitefish up there. I, I, that is like a totally underexplored area for me in oh. Montana. Every time I drive through there, I think, I should, I, w- I should live here. And it seems like this would be a place where everybody else would want to live too. I mean, it is so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Man, you, you, you can get shot for talking like that. <laughs> I know. That's, like, that's why. <laughs> Don't kiss and tell? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, like. Uh, so you hate it. <laughs> I have friends in Whitefish. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we talk about it a lot, that northwestern Montana is a strange place. A lot of people looking to hide. It is a strange place. I, my experience, uh, we, we talked about this once, where it, sometimes I feel like culturally it's like people went so far left. They went all the way around. Mm. And yeah. you can't tell if they're on the right or on the left anymore. <laughs> More, you know, yeah. that's that's like a real snap. That's a p- me passing by and getting that impression. Um, well, I just want to one thing: Are you for freedom? or Are you against it? I, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it is. It has that feel. How does? I mean, we've how how is it? It seems obvious to me, but how is being an activist, somewhat extreme activist? In northwestern Montana. Your well, neighbors don't believe in, some Some of your neighbors don't believe in what you believe in. Yeah, well, I'm about to find out. Uh, you know, I, I have not been extreme. I've been really moderate, and uh, uh, and it's not working. So uh, I don't know what to do. Like, either quit or get, or, or try harder, you know, be be less moderate. I don't know. Yeah, ratchet it up a little. You know, if, if I'm going to be blamed for it anyway, I might as well be, uh, you know, being, seeing both sides is not working out. You know, really deep issues with the with the Forest Service up there. It's kind of like the old days, only a little worse. It's, it's discouraging. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about again? I mean, you're I I perused the internet last night just to polish up on Rick Bass. <laughs> Good place to to peruse. You have written a whole shitload of books. <laughs> I mean, Mo- most of them are skinny. Yeah, no, I don't know. But I mean, a lot of books. Uh, your work has been featured multiple times in the uh, Best American series which, I mean, is a huge honor once, uh, but three or four times is crazy. That's so awesome. Um, but then you have this whole other side of your life that is, it seems like, just dedicated to activism. I mean, the, I, don't, I don't know if there's any way to monetize that or if you consider that a job. It just more or less seems like something you do because you can't help but do it. Um, can you talk a little bit about what areas you... When you say you were a, mo- a moderate activist, mm. uh, what 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 are you talking about? What issues? Timber up there. Um, we're fortunate to not have any mining issues up in the Yak. The cabinet, you know, is just riddled with them. The cabinets, but um, up in the Yak, it's road building and and uh, and, and forestry logging. Uh, and uh, we've just been ha- this group that I'm involved with. We've just been pushing for a long time for intermediate harvesting, selective logging. Uh, you know, protecting the soil, winter logging, no weed spreads, uh, you know, good secure areas without <clears throat> ro- open roads going into them. Just basic stuff that keeps the quality of the place the way it is. But uh, uh, I don't know, it just seems like we're our, our good uh, neighbor collaboration and, and working to help keep getting trees off the public lands on the Kootenai is leading to <clears throat> the agency uh taking us for granted and, and making bigger and bigger sales, uh, more and more clear cuts, uh, very little 
patience, if any, for discussion about intermediate harvest. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's um, on paper when the agency says, well, we're going to clear cut here uh, because of climate change. Uh, you know, site specific, there may be uh, some validity to that. What's the rationale? Because of climate change, we're going to clear cut here? What? Why? Uh, too many trees per acre, not enough moisture to keep, uh, you know, to, to nurture, you know, however many trees per acre would be there historically. But cutting them all, uh, you know, just brings heat and light and aridity into the forest. And the Kootenai is a very wet, very uh, shady forest. It's pretty fire resistant. And, uh, you know, we definitely need to be removing some trees if we're going to keep other trees. There's too many trees per acre in a lot of places up there. Other places just fine. Uh, the old forests in particular have really, uh, are really stable. We yeah. don't think we need to be tinkering in them. Um, they make their own adjustments, I think. It's almost an entire other ecosystem. But um, there's kind of industrial applications uh, coming back with a vigor up there and, and uh, not much um, uh, comfort, not much uh, space, decision space for uh, you know, discussion of, of values of, uh, of our group. Has that, how have you seen with, with each, and I'd hate to talk about politics, but I know, it seems I'm, inevitable. I know, I'm going into horrible, non-poetic. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay? I'm comfortable in that zone for a second. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's bigger than me. It doesn't matter whether I'm okay or not. Okay, I perfect. just hate the language I'm choosing. I mean, I'm just going into agency speak. You know, selective logging, regeneration, harvest clear. It's like well, that's important though. You're not saying you're not saying no logging, right? Your group is not saying we never have. Uh, but I mean, I don't know what we have to do to get get their attention. Have what what have the uh, compared to the previous eight years? What have the last two years been like worse. for this? Yeah, worse. And that's you know that's it, it's an easy what it's easy to draw you know connect the dots why why it might be happening but i don't have any time for that i just know it is worse i don't care why it yeah is you know what i mean they're using if you say when you said they're using global warming to justify it is that i mean is that a case where they're actually believing in global warming to use that yeah they're acknowledging global warming to justify what they want to do anyway yeah and you know in fire danger and it's it's a real thing uh you know i think everybody in the west recognizes that but to be proposing very large clear cuts up on the Canadian border, 20 miles away from the nearest house and upwind from all the nearest houses, you know, it's, it's, it's just not... Uh, that has nothing to do with... It doesn't that. seem to me, no. Oh, that's, it's, that, that, that kills me because it, the deniability of global warming is heavy right now, yeah. obviously. Maybe, maybe Zinke being gone. Oh, man. <laughs> did that, how did that make you feel? Uh, he did a lot of damage in a short amount of time. Uh, uh, you know, it, there's no exultation or celebration. Uh, you know, it's, they've got next man up. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like it's the problem's going to go away with him. Um, I just didn't really re register response one way or the other. Really? Yeah. yeah. I got to say, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Mm. I felt like... That was a win for humanity, though, a little bit. I mean, it just, uh, the, as a, someone who lives in Montana mm -hmm. and has family and friends back east, and you, you sort of feel like you're fighting this uh, impression of, you know, us being sort of a red, little bit backward state, and then with this delegation we have and Zinke and everything, it's hard to, to, 
to prove them wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it felt just great to me. Good. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I also understand that it probably could even get worse now. I'm sorry to be so sour. Happy for you. Uh, what do you get when you cross? No, that's not it. What's the difference between a fly and a butterfly? I don't know. Alexa told this to me. Um, shit, okay. A fly and a butterfly. <laughs> What's the difference between a butterfly and a fly? Mm-hmm. One comes from a pupa. The other eats the pupa. <laughs> yes. So, totally, I get it. So I get to be happy, too. You get to be happy, I get to be happy. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the first thing my aunt said when we were celebrating Zinke. <laughs> What's the difference between a funny fly and a fly? <laughs> You're not the only one. Uh, no, uh, that that it could only get, it, it, it will probably only get worse. He'll just find somebody else. They wouldn't have let him go if they didn't have somebody else. Yes. Lined up. Another Barton Fink. Did you hear <sighs> that he, the thing that blew my mind, <laughs> of all the things, that he had them raise a secretary flag yeah. when he entered the building. He has his own flag. That is crazy talk. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. Holy shit. Because they're making fun of the they were making fun of the horse thing, but the interior director usually does that. That's like a thing. Oh he does? That's like a that's, that's a little ceremony. Doesn't make it less stupid. No, it's stupid. <laughs> but the but the having his own flag what where's your mindset as a politician that you right? that you're like, oh and I have my own flag. What an embarrassment. It's, it's it is embarrassing. It's crazy totally embarrassing. So what what do you think? I mean, it, when you live in Montana, when you appreciate the outdoors, uh, and you're spend any time in the woods, it doesn't seem hard to arrive at the decision that we should not clear cut, right? It's just if there is a responsible option, if there is a way for us to harvest timber. Uh, without totally wiping out a forest, we should do that. And it seems like that would be an easy, both sides would be happy with that. What's the disconnect that I'm not getting? Is it just so much easier, is it so much more cost effective to go in and cut every tree down? It's definitely that. I mean, there, there's no, that's the only thing that's not arguable. Uh, okay. You know, I have, uh, I won't say friends, but I have a lot of, you know, long acquaintances in the timber industry and they believe with as much passion uh, as I do on the other side, that it is a, uh, you know, a uh, the best uh, management tool for a lot of situations. Uh, you know, they use the word disease a lot. And, yeah. Uh, but that's just I in my my observation. You know, in sixty years on on, on the ground, you know, on the earth is uh, clear cut doesn't replicate anything that I've ever seen in nature. No. I mean, you know, fire is a beautiful thing. It, it leaves spars and snags and vertical structure and it leaves its material on site it doesn't compact the soil block but we're you know we've been fighting this this fight for 30 plus years it comes back to language i mean they're still using the agency still using the language mimic that clear cuts mimic fire and, and then when we bitch and moan about the aesthetics or the structural diversity or they say oh we'll leave, we'll have leave islands i mean that's like a that's like a a leave island is the most unnatural looking thing in the sea of clear cut i mean you get it baked and it gets heat and Insects flock in there. It's just, it just, it, it looks like a jail cell. It looks like isolation, quarantine, imprisonment for those little. And they're so small, they're two or three acres. They're like, you know, benevolent dictators doling out tiny crumbs to the, uh, the forest. I mean, we'll allow you to stay here in this little oval, 
reservation two to three so, acres. So this is in the middle of a clear cut. You leave yeah, a stand of trees, basically. To, to placate the environmentalist up, you know, up on the Kootenai. It's, it's, it's not, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm frustrated that we're having the same arguments that we had, you know, 32 years ago. Uh, got to win the war in the trenches. You've got to win the war of words and images. And, uh, you know, Colin, uh, young, young trees, fuel ladders, and going into old growth and cutting out, uh, anything young that's that could catch on fire and jump up to the canopy i mean our fire events now have are not like the old days of ground right. fires creeping around it's all wind driven it's all canopy driven already it's like uh, we've got other things to worry about than trimming some saplings and old growth yeah that's protecting homes and and lives uh, and uh, the agency still <clears throat> you know funded by by its timber timber mandates so what i mean you can hear it in your voice you you have been fighting this fight for a long time yeah well, i'm sorry really bummer for the listeners like we can talk uh, i've got another joke no we're all about <laughs> we'll do a joke in a second i'll let you know i'll let you know when it gets really bad <laughs> save your joke <laughs> we're gonna need that you're such a i'm just really impressive we'll let you get your joke in a minute yeah, just hold on rick <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to need it. <laughs> I feel like a five-year-old having a tantrum in the shopping mall. You, um, you can have your joke in a minute. Or just, just get through the checkout line. We have to talk about grizzlies first. But, I mean, you you can hear it in your voice that this is a fight you've been fighting for a long time. and Unsuccessfully. That's, and, that's what, and I don't mind fighting a long time. Of course. But, 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 to, with, but, but with, you know, few results that feel worth it. Um, what... What do you think, what do you have to do? I mean, obviously you'd be doing it if you knew, but but mm-hmm. for the next generation, let's say, not to be too heavy-handed about it, mm-hmm. you know, what what should the next generation of Rick Basses be thinking about? What what can we learn from, from your experience? Wow. Um, or is it just fucked? Are we screwed? We're not screwed. We're not fucked. Oh, we are fucked and we are screwed, but... <laughs> Um, Here's a joke. We can turn it around. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to study on that. Because um, it feels right now, I've been having this conversation uh, with some relative frequency with friends. We have a lot of friends who are having their first children, and people used to ask my wife and I, you know, why. Aren't, when are you guys going to have kids? And, and we don't want to have kids for a number of reasons, or it's not in our plans. But in the last, you know, maybe five years or so, I've started to have this conversation in a real way of, like, I don't really know what it means to have kids now. And it, that sounds, it, it sounds so dramatic to say that I don't know what the world would look like in 50 years. Mm. Um, and I'm <clears throat> sure every generation has thought, thought that to some degree. Mm. Um, but I am starting to think more seriously about what does it mean to have a child now and say, mm-hmm. when you're 30 years old, mm. I have no clue what the world's going to look like. Um, and that's, it's, it's, it's a sad thought because I'm thinking that things are going to be pretty ugly. Um, but I don't know also. Well, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. It really brings to mind, um, what, <coughs> what do you, uh, Call a grizzly bear that lost his teeth. <laughs> what? Gummy bear. Oh, yes. There you go. 
I'm gonna go get yes. I'm gonna go get Carly pregnant tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I, uh, Coming home, babe. I, I hope yeah, this this podcast will be buried in a time vault in 50 years from now that leprosy bespectacled 10% survivors with you know five limbs and two heads will be listening to this and shaking their head. And they thought it was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> we psyched. We psyched out. Oh, that's the first joke we've heard in 50 years. Yeah, man, no, maybe so. Like, look, how, look how happy they were. Oh. <laughs> look how well adjusted and how they loved. Look at their zest for life. Yeah. Wow. They'll, 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 uh, this will respawn humor. Yeah. Humor had been gone for half a half century. Half a century. Yeah, no, that's a, yeah. I've got more. Um, I, don't, I think the advice is, is really kind of a abstract but I, I spent, I think everybody as activist is, intim- not everybody, a lot of people are intimidated by people in uniforms uh, and, you know, the man, agencies, uh, resource personnel, and, and I have this, this thought, you know, that your, your passion is your authority. I see, you don't have to know about civil culture. You don't have to know about forestry. You don't have to know about wildlife, to know what your values and aesthetics are and to argue them as, as a public landowner. This is what I want. And, and they'll, they will roll out their science. And the thing about science is it's, it can go either way. Math, it's, it's, they don't use science. They use math. And, and math is an abstraction. Science is, you know, a story. Science is a narrative with cause and effect and, and is able to be replicated. But they're, they're just running this show of math. And, and there's, no, there's no study or, or, you know, replicable cycles that they're basing it on. It's just... Uh, it's just numbers, and uh, you know your passion is <clears throat> every bit as valuable on public lands as their math, uh, and uh, and also it's not that complicated. You can learn it pretty quick. Yeah, uh, it's just life, life and death. Yeah, things live, things die. Trees live, they die, they fall over, they rot. What's the big deal? And there are <laughs> there are good. I mean, there are happy stories, right? I mean, from this world, I think about condors. Oh, are condors a happy story? I don't know about condors. I don't know if it's a happy story. <laughs> I don't think it ended well. I think everybody forgot. There are like no condors left. Well, that's the problem is is the people, the gung-ho thing happens and people are excited. And then once they've done their part, I think there's an assumption that it's okay. Everything everything worked out. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great question. I, I, Jamie, I kind of, kind of, I totally... You know, with the gummy bear thing, uh, it was irreverent, but I just had to breathe. Uh, uh, but you're right, Travis. I mean, uh, I do come back to that often for solace is Montana is, and this is so parochial, but it's also true. Montana is better. Montana is different. Uh, Montana is, you know, a Garden of Eden. It's a big-ass state with, uh, you know, a psychological wall around it, for better or worse. And, and we, you know, we've got three elected officials to Congress, and, and uh, we're on first-name basis with all three of our legislators, and, and you see them in the hallway at a hotel, and you know, you, and, and you just stop them and talk to them, and, and that's, that's just, uh, that's revolutionary, and, and we have a chance in Montana. I really, when I get down, I think, I don't think globally, I don't think 350.org, which is, you know, great organization, great, great work. I don't think um, Sierra Club or Audubon Society, uh, you know, I think Montana and Montanans, and we can control our narrative and our dream, our vision for uh, what we want, and you know we can sweep under the rug the part that about how we got this beautiful state by genocide and you know killing all the natives, but uh, or, or putting them in 
in jail, but uh, you know, it's, it's the hand we've been dealt, and, and it's it's better than Colorado or Idaho. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I like that a lot. I think, um, and that's what I think that's what gives me the most fatigue is is realizing being pulled back into the vortex of timber wars, how incredibly toxic and polarizing those were to uh, inter, you know, personal relationships in, in a community. That's, um, you know, it's just PTSD. Like, oh, God, here we go again. But, you know, I'm going to do it the same way again. Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to compromise my values. I'm just going to change my strategy. But, uh, you know. I think and what is the strategy now? Uh, to not be so nice. Yeah. I don't have time for it. I had time when I was 30. I don't have time to be nice at 60. And are, are you guys filing lawsuits? Uh, not yet, yeah, but we're, we're uh, studying up. Uh, you know, we've tried it the other way, and it's not working. It seems like Montana is just far enough out of the way that maybe we are not affected by things, or the opposite of 100% affected and nobody notices. Yeah, it's like the test ground, the spawning grounds for a lot of bad policy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What? What? It's uh, it's the beauty of us being out of the way, like uh, the recession hitting, and then it hit Montana at the tail end of it, is the thing. And we're like, oh, it wasn't so bad here, mm-hmm. yeah. but now with the environment, like when we drive through Idaho, there's a distinct difference in Idaho how they treat, like there's there's mines right off the interstate. There is, it seems like the Wild West environmentally. Do whatever it takes. And, uh, but when the, uh, when the big rigs were coming through, when the oil rigs were coming through, all of a sudden Idaho had a problem with that. And that was, that, that, that blew my mind. And that was so unexpected because Montana seemed okay with it at the time. That's right. And I, 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 there's like no, there's like a weird heads, tails thing that I never can grasp of like what are we going to be mad about right what are we actually going to do something about what's upsetting to us yeah what what does it take to make people say we shouldn't we shouldn't do that like what does that take well I mean I think it's an easy answer I think in the case of Missoula you know it's all of a sudden if it's in your backyard you know it it it, it matters or Montana if it's in your in your state it's in your backyard but uh uh and that's one of the challenges up in the act. There's, there's no folks up there to, uh, you know, represent a constituency that's, uh, that has a, you know, political standing. It's, uh, it's just story. You know, all you do is keep telling stories. And but how do you make somebody be f- compelled enough by a story to act on it when it's not in their busy lives and not in their busy ecosphere? You know, it's uh, that's 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 kind of a magic trick, and we haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot with with uh, sort of the, the messaging you see around climate change. I mean, the idea that we're still having the conversation about climate change as an if it's real is, I think, totally fucking mind-boggling. I mean, because if nothing else, it should be, just in case it is real, let's, <laughs> you know, I mean, what the hell? What else yeah. do we need to know? Well, no, you might, might want to be careful with that line of thought. You could get into religious doctrine. Doctrines oh, oh let's do it. I'm welcome conversations <laughs> like that. Let's bring in our next guest. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just think about, uh, <laughs> for instance, that you know, you see a picture of a polar bear that's far too skinny, uh, that's stranded on a piece of ice, and you think, man, if you're a 
30-something-year-old living in the Bronx, mm. that doesn't, you don't care. You know, I mean, maybe you do care, but it's not going to, it's not, not going to hit you in a way that's going to make you change anything about your life or, or act. Yeah. You know, and like you said, people that live in these places are few and far between, you know, there's not a lot of people that live in the yak or in the Arctic circle. Um, and how do we, how do we switch the messaging from, oh, look at this cute animal that's disappearing to, hey, you know, like cities are going to be gone at some point or. Uh, we're going to be inhaling uh, fire smoke for three months out of the year every year um, or whatever it is. I don't know, but it seems like we are in a desperate spot right now where the messaging around, and I hate, for some reason I hate using the word messaging, uh, like this is a marketing campaign, but unfortunately it is. it is, right? Um, what do, how do we communicate how dire this is to people? And if you want to preface it with a joke, I think that's appropriate. <coughs> Or you're out of jokes. No. Is it the only two? <laughs> uh, what did one snowman say to the other? Do you smell carrots? Nice. <laughs> nice. That is a win. There we go. That is a win. That's a global warming joke. That's really good. Uh, um, I mean, is that you something know, you I think can say elect women and people of color uh, and, and just hope for the best. Uh, you know, it... Kevin's back to Montana. Like we can't. Like democracy's fucked and screwed beyond uh, our reach. But I, I really, I mean, I know it's as fantastical as any other fantasy. But but I just really cling to this idea and story that Montana um, historically has had some really powerful independent thinkers as as, as Congress people, and uh, and that we will be able to continue that tradition. Uh, and. Uh, you know, make a model for other states in the region. And from that, you know, good things will happen. I, I, if I reach too big with, you know, with my hopes or goals or ambitions, then, uh, then, then I'm, I'm definitely bound for unhappiness and ineffectiveness. But Have you ever uh, thought about running for office? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and then I realized what, uh, how that would not be a good thing. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I, I, I'm polarizing, and, and uh, that's, that's just my, that's my path is to be, continue being polarizing and uh, but I really want to support people who you know who are good and and uh, efficient and, and, and powerful you know powerful I just keep coming back to efficiency you know as a writer you, you sit and stare four or five hours at a page to come up with three four words you know a phrase in a sentence and you're, you're manipulating the reader you know you're you're getting their vote. You know, you're getting them to feel a certain way at a certain time when you want them to feel, how you want them to feel, when you want them to feel it. I mean, it's it's really kind of a, an unadmirable thing to be doing, but uh, that's what you, you spend your time on. You know, but one by one, you're thinking of one person, and uh, uh, that's what I need to be doing. Yeah, it's just keep doing what I can do well, and it's not uh, it's not. You know, running a campaign, or uh, I'm tired. I'm tired of uh, seeing the middle. I'm really, you know, I, I spent a lot of time at it, and I don't regret it. But I spent too much time believing in that, that, uh, that hope. Yeah, that we could meet somewhere. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, and it just feels like you know that we're we're past that point. If we had met in the middle 100 years ago, maybe it'd be different. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to get people to come to the table with 
pure intent and good intent, uh, we may have missed that boat. I think it existed when I started out as an activist, but I think there's so much fear and uh, adrenaline in the world now that there has to be skin in the game for everybody. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to how to get that leverage where I'm not the only one with skin in the game in these decisions, you know. And and uh, it's a, it's a total remake of of, uh, of the political mind. Um, and then you know, I try and keep my writing self, believe in the same, you know, artsy fartsy, fairy tale, dragonfly glimmer wing, uh, mica dust speckle, dapple sunlight column, you know, <laughs> fuzzy land, you yeah. know, place un, un, untainted by bitterness or despair, and and uh, that's uh, that's kind of crazy making, really. Yeah, how is that going? I mean, those are t- two different people almost. Yeah. Hasn't been a real good year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What are you working on right now? A novel. Um, um, I've been working on it for over 20 years, which doesn't recommend it. Like, why can't you get it right? Uh, but it's, it's, I think at its heart, it's about, about time and our, our where's the bottle opener? <laughs> Thank you. It's about time and our species relationship to time. Uh, you know, I think the big idea, one of the, handful of big ideas of our, of our you know short history on earth was was Darwin's uh, observations in the Galapagos about uh, you know thank you so much so-called survival of the fittest and what he think what he was looking at was uh, you know as a geologist he was looking at day one in the garden he was looking at you know bullshit blank tablet and uh, uh, the the natural processes and, and functions he saw going on there they were, you know, representative of, of an early seral stage, you know, of colonization. And, and yeah, that is all elbows out and get all the space you can mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the initial stages of life. But that's just a real eye blink in, in geological time. And, and you know, like the, the ecology, again, of the old forest, I mean, it's so much more complicated and sophisticated. It's like, you know, day five or six in the Genesis story. It's like uh, cooperation has a lot to do with it. And, and, and interrelation, interspecies relationship is, you know, is not told in, 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 in Darwin's uh, work because he didn't see it there. It was, it was just, it was, it, he was looking at one of the rarest places in the world. It's, it's statistically insignificant. I mean, it was like 10,000 year old rock island, you know, with, with uh, oh, the novel, right. Now you see it certainly was. Yeah. Um, no, but, well, but sorry, but I, that just got me thinking about something that I think is interesting is, is, I feel like uh, Darwinism can be like an excuse for capitalism sometimes, it's right? Social, Where yeah, it's totally. just like, yeah, yeah. well, if you're stronger and bigger and faster and smarter, then you deserve it. Well, and so that's, that's the way what, it should be. Yeah, and that's where I'm trying to go with the, the novel exactly is, uh, you know, this, this Frederick Taylor guy who, and, and others who started monetizing time. They took time from being, uh, you know, quality experience and, and the old mentor-mentee-artisan-artisanship relationship where you have a whole life to teach somebody your values and, and craft and trade. And, uh, you know, he was measuring, uh, you know, ramp incline and worker efficiency and how much weight they could carry up this this percentage of incline versus how much weight they could carry this percent and measuring their their, their water breaks, you know, their, their time. And, and he just broke time. He changed our relationship, our species relationship with time by monetizing it, it became a god. It became uh, synonymous with money, and uh, uh, so I'm 
I'm, I'm dinking with that, but uh, it's just really hard not to get too heavy-handed when you have such a, you know, a zealous idea. And uh, Well, in leading, I imagine as a, I mean, I think writing fiction is just about the hardest goddamn thing in the world. I really do. I would agree. Um, and I would imagine when you have an idea like that, it's, and you're writing a story, it's impossible to ignore that idea. But I'd also imagine there's danger in leading with the idea. So so dangerous. It's yeah. fatal. Yeah. So I mean, what? So where are you at with the novel? What's life support? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, thank goodness for the next draft. You know, you, you're never done. You just get, you know, just kind of not be too hard on yourself when you mess up and and uh, hit the nail too hard and and uh, not get too high and happy when you. Uh, something clean and, and you have your truth hidden beneath the images and that great William Carlos Williams quote maybe it's Ford Maddox Ford one of those three name white guys <laughs> uh, jo- Joseph Campbell Joseph uh, 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 nice. <laughs> uh, no ideas but in things yeah, don't don't be just just let the let the images carry the the truth and the story yeah. be specific not abstract what do you do for fun <laughs> he goes on podcasts. <laughs> I would be doing it right now if I wasn't here. I kill things. <laughs> uh, I, I do have a, a puppy, a young bird dog, and I really that's that's just really healthy to uh, be just just uh, you know building that bond and that relationship of uh, like everything is new to him and, and like it's just all so he's just so just. The world just inflames his senses, and to watch him make these connections and these discoveries, and, and <clears throat> it's uh, it's really really uh, healthy, you know, taking care of something else. This uh, is so important. Yes. Um, a long time ago, I was in the Lewis and Clark Public Library, and uh, I found the watch. It's a book of yours, and on the inside cover was written, "This book will change your life, or maybe not." Like some like a yeah, previous somebody, reader. Yeah, somebody wrote that in there, and read it, loved it, and then the culmination of it was speaking of your dog. Uh, the culmination of it was was riding in a van with you, playing Stella Rondo shows, and uh, I was reading Coulter, which I don't give a shit about any books in the world. But that book is fantastic for me. And uh, from the back seat, you were driving, and from the back seat, everybody was sleeping, and from the back seat. Rick said, I know you're reading my book and don't ask me any questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I could, which then led to, like, three days later, come on, I just have a couple questions. I just want to ask a couple things. I don't want to talk about my books. Okay, no problem. <laughs> but it was the best. That was, that was uh, that's exactly what I wanted out of that relationship. I don't want to talk about it. Good, neither do I. <laughs> is, that, is that generally your vibe, or you just thought Travis would ask annoying questions? Hey... Hey, let the man answer the question, Travis. <laughs> the hard questions. Travis is such a great reader. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, um, this podcast is over. Embarrassed by, <laughs> embarrassed by the asshole I was. No, no. It was perfect because I was being a dick that entire trip probably. That, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's context. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really? Yeah, no. You think? Possibly? Probably. <laughs> there's a 90% chance I was being a total dick on the road with a band. Yeah, and Rick got invited into that world. No, it, it sounds like a defensive, reflexive, protective measure. Yeah, no, I shouldn't be so hard on myself. But I mean, I would imagine that it's it is like you spend a lot of time thinking about big picture shit, right? Well, I mean, who doesn't? 
Yeah. Oh, lots of people. <laughs> I mean, if everybody did, I think the world would be different. Yeah, it would be different. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine that it is that's sort of like the two sides of your life. Uh, I would imagine right, sometimes right, it's yeah. hard to like talk about my story that I wrote down in light of like, dude, the world's going to end in 100 years. <laughs> or, you know, I don't know if that's true. But I'm forgiving you for being a dick to Travis. So. Uh, thank, thank you. I <laughs> deserve it usually. No, you, you there, yeah, it's coming back to me now. Yeah, it was not just yeah. A nice lady. Not, unprovo- <laughs> uh, not unprovoked. No, uh, definitely sharing a hotel room with me. If you don't already know that, Jamie, yeah, is uh, an extreme experience. What? Why was I driving anyway? I'm now that's worst, a good question. I'm the worst driver. That's a good question. We were on. We were in the middle of the interstate in the in the very early morning in Portland, and we missed a turn. Ooh. Rick Bass slammed on the brakes, started honking the horn, and put it in reverse. On the interstate? Yeah. I don't remember it that. It was dope. It was great. What is... You guys, tell <laughs> tell everybody about... Because this is a very cool project that is... Is it still happening? Yeah, yeah. We, we dink with it still. Called now, Stella Rondo. Now and again, yeah. And you, can you guys just explain what it is? Well, we were a band that makes wonderful music. Uh, they still are a band. I'm not in the band. The... Uh, and somehow or another, someone brought up contacting you about reading stories and doing live score. And Which is totally I, cool. And I lost my goddamn mind. Because you were already a Rick Bass fan. Already a fan. But I, but I played that shit cool. Oh, yeah, Rick. Yeah, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> just, I'll do this just to hang out with him. And, uh, it was so cool, it but was, it was really cool, and we cool. we wrote really cool music and did two tours of the Northwest. Northwest yeah, um, it was one of the best. Not one of it was the best artistic experience of my my life. Yeah. Did it change the way you sort of hear your writing? <laughs> it's helped. I mean, yeah, it's it's a work in progress, but it's helped. Um, what I found out, you know, first off, the, you know, the musicians are just such. Incredible minds are just wonks or geeks. I just, it was so nourishing to me to hear somebody take such uh, attentive focus and, and, and attention to uh, the most minute things, you know. And, and uh, it was just really very healing and restorative to me at a time when, when I really needed it. And uh, uh, then my part in it was reading my stories like, like, man, you know, get to the point, you know, no, c- cut. What, what did you say, Travis? You say uh, like you know, something like, uh, I don't know, enough, Faulkner, get to the point or something. Just like, <laughs> enough, no. uh, stop, stop it, windbag. And, and, and uh, like you really need to hit now, not nouns and verbs when they're playing music. You, you have no time for digressions, no time for you know, belly button stuff, no time for adverbs, no time. Like you've got to have. You're really performing. Color. Yeah, you've got to have a narrative going. You've got momentum going because the, the bus is leaving without you. I mean, they're going to keep playing and, you, and you've got to. You've got to uh, give them fuel, oxygen to, to breathe, and, yeah. and and you can't you can't do that uh, digressive stuff that that I just crave. Uh. Well, there was it was really interesting. The relationship was uh, you would want to cut paragraphs. Let's just cut this, and we. Oh, had, so you edit you you edit the stories a little bit. Okay. Well, and, and nine times out of ten, it would be like, no, we wrote something great for that. That's gonna stay. And then the opposite of you looking at us and saying, "What?" Like there'd be a sentence, and it's a and it's a it's a beautiful thing to be like, "What you're playing right there, 
That's not working. We did a one night at rehearsal. We did a, uh, <laughs> um, a cesarean thumb. That was he was giving the percentage of how it was working or not. <laughs> 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 Up and down. Which was for for the relationship was uh, that we took ten steps forward instantly. Of like, you can literally tell us what you're thinking at that moment. I don't like it. I, whatever you're doing right there is not good. Yeah, but that's, that's great. That's great. And it was it it worked pretty seamlessly for a band. We rehearsed less than most people would for that type of project. For, for the listeners, Travis is sticking his thumb in the sky and then rotating it slowly yes, downward for, the, uh, for, for when things were going good or bad. For the, the kill the music there. And the thumb down. Oh, that's totally useful. It was. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a cool thing. It was like five rehearsals in. We got a system of like, don't do that there. Yeah. And But please leave that paragraph in. We have a whole thing for that. And you would, and not in a... Not in a bragging way, but it was it was great for the band to see. I want to get rid of that paragraph, and then we play. You'd be like, "Oh, never mind. The paragraph stays." Yeah, we have to have that in there. Yeah. Oh, it's it's, it's it was so good. It was just ventilating to you know to the the incrustation and lithification that happens to the artistic mind after you know about ten years. And uh, yeah, it was really cracked it open and made it responsible and accountable to other artists. You know, who are just ex- just highest caliber. You know, most committed. I mean, they'll spend so much time on debating whatever the difference between F and G. Are those called notes or keys or yes. whatever? Yeah, like, uh, just like, they'll talk for 30 minutes about, you know, G minor or G fucking major. Yeah. It's like, it was so, so, so refreshing. Well, the thing I have not, I hope I get to see it. I have not seen it. But in my mind, the thing that I love about the idea so much is I, I used to go to a ton of readings. And... The thing about readings was it was always this experience where inevitably I had read the thing that is being read at the reading. Right. So really it's about I just kind of want to see this person and like see what their vibe is like yeah, and see what their voice sounds like. Yeah, yeah. But after, you know, they read a couple pages, I could, I could leave. It would be okay. Um, because not everybody's a great reader, you know? I mean, it is a real... Art. A lot of people do not perform what they are reading. And the idea that you would have an almost uh, like cinematic bent on it where people are interpreting the thing, that maybe they are elevating it, uh, uh, the writing. Um, and then, like you're saying, the, the author is then, it's sort of on you to, to play some music also. You know, you got to be a part of the band too. Uh, just makes it sound like, oh, that's worth it. I get that. Uh, rather than going in here, someone read something that you've read, and you know maybe it'll inform how you read it the next time. But maybe you maybe just now what, know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I don't know. It sounds like such a, a wonderful thing. I guess what I'm saying is sometimes readings feel a little obligatory, and it's like something we do because because uh, like like, we're, like giving blood, yeah, yeah, and like I think you know in any given room, right or reading room. A, a certain percentage of, of the people in there are people who would like to be writers and they feel like, well, this is like the scene and this is like what writers do and we go to these things and maybe I'll like get to go have beers with the person after, you know, there's always that stuff. Uh, but the performance is not really the thing. Um, so I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's a really great idea and I would love to see more of that stuff. Well, it was, yeah. Cause to do, to, it's an hour all of a sudden with no storytelling in between, no description of writing, no Q&A, mm-hmm. 
we're going to read five short stories. Cool. And that's crazy to me to hold uh, hold an audience with, if it was one or the other, holding an audience with five short stories would be impossible. impossible. And holding an audience with an hour of that particular music would be like, man, they, they've held that one note for like <laughs> a minute. Yeah. Wow. This is <laughs> not a going. show. But together, there's a thing that yeah. all of a sudden happens that would never be on a... Two pieces on their own that don't work. It's really interesting. And it makes you, I mean, those two things. Sorry, Rick, we're going to talk for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs up. Uh, But it just, it really does highlight, you know, that there's narrative in music and there's music in narrative, right? I mean, and that stuff, you know, it can be hard to see sometimes. Yeah. but it's super important, and it's impossible to explain. No, it really, it really is. But I think you're 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 dead on. There's like, a, you know, music's such a primal, uh, physical response to the to the sound waves. Whereas, you know, listening to a, a story or reading a story, the narrative you're assembling, you're trying to make order out of the elements. You're trying to make order out of disorder. And so it's a very kind of a logical, you know, problem solving side of the brain. And yeah. music is just just you know just is. And so. We're kind of dissolving the, the wall between those two parts of the brain, and and then when it's over, people are always kind of stunned and kind of buzzed, you know, they kind of doped up. Like, I bet. Oh, what just happened? And, and and it's the most laid back experience on earth that spawns that excitement. Right. It's very right. strange because yeah, it is. What do, you, what do you mean? It's, it's so in the dark. You're in a theater. You're leaning back in a comfy seat. Your Everything's eyes are so, closed. So quiet. It's, it's, it's like yeah. uh, you know, nap time, story time for adults. Yeah. It's like really. Yeah, totally. Are there Chill. any performances on the books? No, we may be doing something this spring, but not sure. Okay. Um, Caroline Keys, the, the most wonderfully disorganized person in the world, is a <laughs> booking agent, and she she says yes to everything. And I think she said yes to somebody, but they haven't gotten back to us. But so what? Yeah, yeah. It'll work out. I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. It was so cool. And for me, it gave a voice, like the same thing on the reading thing of like hearing someone's voice and then reading anything after I've, after I had read for 20 years of Rick, then hearing his voice and being like, oh my God, some of this is making a lot of sense and going back and reading. Oh, interesting. Oh, well now I'm in because it's, it's such a, a thing, but I never go to readings and I know if I do the few readings I've gone to. All of a sudden, I fall in love with that author, like one hundred percent. Because you just like, get to see the human. Oh my god! Yeah, the the person, and it, it even works that way with fiction for me. Yeah, it's, like a voice is important, but it was a it was a strange, wonderful experience. I was I was described by Rick as a crazed genius, which I think it's true. For the first week, I was like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah." And then after that, I was like, that's the nicest way he could describe what he just experienced. <laughs> which Being was, on the road with Travis. Which is really intense. It can be intense. It, it's definitely all in. I would describe it as all in. The, the two are not incompatible. <laughs> you, were, you were doing the most amazing thing on the second tour. You make amazingly complicated, handmade birthday cards for your daughters that are cut and pasted from magazines and everything that are to the point where you had probably 30 magazines in the back seat with a pair of scissors and worked on it for seven days. Nice. And it was like just one more aspect to you that I was like, what in the fuck is he doing back there? It is a mess. 
The van is a mess. Rick, clean, you got to clean some of this up. Oh, man. But then when you're like, we saw the first two pages. Oh, no, you got to keep working on that. That's going to be something. It's an amazing thing because we all struggle with like, we should be working. Yeah. Should be. Should be writing. I should be. I should be writing this. I should be working on this. No, no. You spent your time doing that, which is a a very careful choice of your time. Yeah, it was amazing. I was. How many daughters do you have? Two. Twice a year, I go through that that loving ritual. (laughs) Like like it's already December, and their birthdays are March and April. It's time for me to kind of start, you know, kind of scanning the National Enquirer for you know. Choice headlines. And, and, uh, I love what, it. What, what applies to their lives? Are they Mo- Montana gals still? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, uh, one lives in California and one's in New York, but they they come home all the time and and they know which place is best. Awesome. Yeah. Did did you pass the environmentalist gene along to them? Are uh, they? I apologize. I regrettably, yeah, I think it's it's, I think it's double dominant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to possess an ecological awareness is. To know that we live in a world of wounds. Oh man, oh, Jesus! Fuck. That's, <laughs> he's got another one. I'm trying. I'm reaching Dome deep. back down. <laughs> Some, something about gingerbread man. God. Oh yeah. Why did the gingerbread man have no teeth? Why? Chronic gingivitis. Oh wow. Gingivitis. Oh my god, I love this. That was really good. No, uh, another amazing. Don't patronize me. Another. <laughs> Another crazy thing in my life that I didn't realize until it was happening was I grew up reading about, I grew up with your daughters through books and like constantly like, oh, these are similar in age. Oh, like I know these people. And then I met Lowry for the first time and was silent, which (laughs) I am not silent. Oh, Lowry. Oh, Travis is putting his hands on his cheeks right now. <laughs> well, oh, my God. I'm, yeah. She is a trip. It's Lowry. Yeah. Uh, this is so amazing. Oh, I ran into you, uh, uh, y'all, at uh, Libby. Libby, yeah. We're at we're Cabinet our, Brewing. She and I were having our fantasy football draft with her uncle, and uh, and Travis is playing a gig there. Yeah, it's a fun day. Oh, wow. Which was, again, a normal, like, wait, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what do you mean? There's three laptops. Yeah, you play fantasy football? Uh, Fuck yeah. No <laughs> way. Who's the champ in the Catbird League, uh-huh. uh-huh. Three people in it? No, fuck no. It's like a dozen. <laughs> you really? Yeah, just so how to, is it going? How is your season? Just to succeed in fantasy football, you got to pay gotta attention. Own, you've got to own ten black men. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes. It sucks. I know. I know. Yeah. That part of it is really, really weird. Like, like I'm... Um, by adding them, dropping them, starting, it's really, uh, like, clearly I'm having some trouble with that. But I'm also winning. Which oh. is, trumps all. You know, when it's, fam- when it's family, yeah, it's, it matters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Are a, you a football fan? Oh, I love it. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I love the uh, strategy, the, the philosophy of it, the, the, the chess move of it. I love the story, how the storyline changes every week. You've got old coaches going against their, you know, their men, mentees. Uh, you know, it, it, I, you've got old cornerbacks covering fast young wide receivers. You've got old quarterbacks sitting on the bench. While I just love it all, uh, uh, other than the concussions. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, do you know what our solution is to that? Uh, no helmets. No helmets. Change the league. No helmets. Wow. Change the rules. It works in rugby. Yeah, I mean, it's a fact. I mean, there's just yeah. no, there's no way to put a helmet around your brain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, football, I listen to a shitload of sports talk radio <laughs> because I just sometimes don't want to listen to music. Yeah. 
and that's I just listen to the radio, mm-hmm. and so I've, I I know everything that's going on, but I don't care at all, <laughs> and actually I sort of hate it. <laughs> There's a lot to hate. I hate it a little bit. There's more than a little to hate. The thing that I think is so interesting about football is we the the pundits in the sports world deify these coaches mm-hmm. like John Gruden, for instance, mm-hmm. who. I think won a Super Bowl and then was just kind of like a middling. He wasn't. It wasn't he's that a great. personality, yeah. But we, he's going to come back to the Raiders after ten years out of the league, and oh my God, they're going to be. <laughs> are there this few people that can be football coaches? Or University of Montana? Really? We hired that guy. Yeah. Is the only guy that was available. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree? I don't pay any attention to the college game and that's that gets me people say oh it's so pure it's yeah, so grief. fucking impure How like the pros the pros is where the purity's at they know i'm going to do this for 10 years paid. i'm going to sacrifice my health uh, and my mortality in order to provide for either myself or my family for yeah. three four five ten years there is no nothing's hidden there i mean it is it, it's it's it, it's it's much more pure than the college game which I is agree. just exploiting young people for uh you know, oh, university purposes. No, it's, and then, yeah, like, it's just, Rich White I mean, Gladiators. Like, University of Montana, I mean, fuck. It's crazy. It's it's like it's fish, you know, little fish in a little bowl. It's like, uh, and then we deify, you know, who's really going to deify University of Montana, the Grizz? I like, know. Uh, like, uh, you know, these are junior college transfers from California who were not Division One quality, and that's probably going to save their lives. But we don't have to worship them like uh, I mean, it's just it's it's a little overboard. It's a lot overboard. It's a lot overboard. I think my biggest issue these days is that I do like the game of football. Right. I agree with you. There's a fun. There's strategy. Twenty two people on a field moving at once. Totally, and it's controlled chaos. And you yeah. know, when somebody breaks a play, it's exciting and and whatever. Uh, the NFL sucks though. The product. Yeah. Watching a yeah. fucking when. Football fans say it's, baseball is so boring. <laughs> really? Watching a football game on oh, TV is boring. Heartbreaking. I mean, goddamn Colin Kaepernick not getting a tryout with the Washington Redskins. Right. City of our nations, you know, that's where he should be right now. Such as the fix is so in. And in the meantime, you know, they're taking his very thoughtful, considered, well-researched social justice stand. And, uh, and, and again, very, very... Uh, very moderate, like I, I don't want to offend him. I'm just going to take a knee. Right, I have, I have a problem with some things, and the way that that was flipped and spinned by the spun by the red meat right to uh, to become against our service veterans and our, and our and then the NFL following that meme to be worshiping uh, the military and all yeah. their ads and and their and their special like there's a gas station in town and they had a sign up. I'm pleased to see it's not here anymore, but. Uh, said it had a picture of a machine gun on it and it said if you can read this in English thank a teacher if you can read this then the machine gun thank thank your military it's like you know what uh what why are you pitting Ooh. teachers against the military it's like you know when you're in the airport and they say any 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 uh service service members of, of our military please come forward and get on the plane well, well I serve I'm a teacher can I get on the plane yeah you know it's like there's other ways to serve than, than with guns well and it's particularly it's shady. not to shame the military it's just like why are we so poor well especially with the NFL where you know when we do those flag ceremonies and yeah. the F-18s fly over why did it become no. about shooting well also the military is paying for that 
that's not like the NFL is like, come on. No, they're paying. They're, they're buying, paying. It's which advertising. Is say, which is to say we're paying. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. So fucked yeah. Up. We pay for that show. It's like, it's crazy. And and you're you're so it's so it's so heartbreaking. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the environmental stuff. Like, you know, you're screwed if you love something. You're screwed. You know, it's not going to be pure. You're it does it. feel that way yeah. a little bit. I mean. Yeah, I mean, music feels yeah. that way a lot. Now. Oh, constant. I got constant. no more jokes either. We're, like, we're okay, so we're in. I, we're have, in. I have four. That's all I have. Okay, we're getting in deep water here. <laughs> it's gonna get. It's gonna get real sad. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> what 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 are your winter plans? Um, well, uh, I'm I'm doing a uh, a biography of a, a Texas writer named John Graves, and I need to go down to Texas and research that. At, at San Marcos at Texas State University. So I'll be down there some. Um, and I, we've got a new employee with the Yak Valley Forest Council, and I'm, I'm wanting to help train her up on, uh, she, she's like a super prospect, uh, studied uh, uh, English Romantic literature in the 18th century and mathematics at Brown. She's and she's going to be guarding the Kootenai National Forest. It's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, wow. yeah. so uh, uh, I need to be up here some for that. And uh, digging around on my novel and then working on this really bad timber sale up in the Kootenai, the Black Ram Project. Uh, it's just it's the worst I've seen in 32 years. Uh, the, you know, the barbarians are through the gates. And uh, yeah. So. Is there a way for... for uh, yes. Okay. Thank you for asking. www.yakvalley.org Yak is Y-A-A-K. Two A's, yeah. Or info at yakvalley.org. People can get involved. Yeah. just And again, your passion is your authority. You don't have to know the specifics of the 70s, 83 proposed timber sales. Just, 83? Yeah, just, 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 just say, you know, this place, I'm a Montana resident, this place matters to me. You know, and this is so, public land being sold? No, it's not being sold, it's just being logged, damaged. The trees are being sold. Yeah, and, and it's fine to sell some trees, but they're going after all of them, and, uh, or too many of them. In a special place in the valley, it's the most special place in the valley. So that and <clears throat> the inability to differentiate this part of the valley versus more southern slopes, closer to towns, closer to people's houses, going into the wildest, farthest, most backcountry place of the valley, and implementing these industrial prescriptions after we've asked, told them this is our special place, is uh, is unacceptable. So yeah, info at yakvalley.org. That's Y A A K. V-A-L-L-E-Y.org. Awesome. Look it up, everybody. Thank you. Rick, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. My pleasure. We would love to have you back someday. Uh, This has been Jamie. And Travis. Present. Present.